2: First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space, slips a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder,
0: it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. he hit, him. hit him immediately. He got the handoff, you know what? <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you.
1: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time for midweek news and notes. So for that, we bring in our friend who is the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Chris, welcome back to the show, sir. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Stuffed my face with a bunch of good food uh, and, you know, had, had the leftovers and then, you know, that, they start eating right afterwards. That's always the adjustment, right?
1: That's pretty much what Thanksgiving's all about. You nailed it. All you missed is talking about watching some football on top of all that. And you've got yeah. a typical American Thanksgiving. And there were a lot of Jets fans that were thankful this past week because the Jets got a victory. So they're now three and eight. We now have some injury news to talk about, though, heading into the game where they're going to try and pick up their fourth win. We saw Zach Wilson hobbling a little bit at one point. He came off the field, came back. Robert Salas says his knee is fine at the moment. Trevon Wesco out with an ankle injury. He'll be gone two to four weeks. Corey Davis is day-to-day. Joe Flacco is back off the COVID list, so he will be the backup to Zach Wilson on Sunday against the Eagles. Mike White still on the COVID list. Looks like he is not going to be eligible to be on the roster this week. Denzel Mims back today, activated off the COVID list. And Quincy Williams, who left the game and didn't return against the Texans this past Sunday, Looks like he's okay with a calf injury. He should be back on Sunday against the Eagles.
0: Yeah, you know the uh, obviously we've been talking a lot about injuries this year, uh, so it's it's a much uh, you know less workload on the on the injury list here. It's not as bad as it has been um, coming on now. Corey Davis, obviously, it's it seems like it's probably not going to happen this week for him. Um, the groin uh, was close but not 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 close enough um Wesco is gonna be out for a couple weeks Wilson obviously he it looked bad considering coming off of the injury and at the time you were just like oh boy he tweaked it but uh you know I think we've everyone and that me you and everyone listening has probably done something and some, uh, area where you've you know it's looked really bad whether it was your ankle or your knee and it felt really bad for like two or three minutes and then all of a sudden it, it went away and it fe- feels like that's one of the things that happened here with Wilson which is obviously good news Um just for they they need him to be healthy and able to evaluate him for the rest of the season I'm not saying that you know they're gonna go drafting a new quarterback next year if he's not good enough but that you still need to get as much evaluation out of him as possible this year. You can't afford to just, um, you know, be like, Oh, well, that's all we got to evaluate this year. You need to get as much as you can there. So, but again, it's, it's a lighter uh, injury report than it had been at points in the season. So a couple other names, you Quincy Williams, it looks like will will probably be already uh, time for the game. He's limited a participant. So, Things are starting to get a little better on the injury front, I guess.
1: And on that note, as far as getting better on the injury front, makai Becton is ready to start some activity but not actually practice. So at least... It's something in the right direction. Robert Sala had some things to say, talked about Zach Wilson, said with the knee there's no limitations. He took a pretty good hit on the sideline and felt it. There was a little bit of pain, but it went away, and he returned to the game. He praised Wilson's toughness, noting that he wanted to play in Buffalo and Miami games. Wilson's touchdown run was improv, not a read option. He was supposed to hand it to the running back, but saw a loaded box, pulled it down, and ran, so... Good instincts there from Zach Wilson. Salah talked about Matt Amendola's recent struggles, said Amendola's got a talented leg, just needs to be consistent. When asked if Amendola's job is secure this week, Salah said it will be discussed Which Chris, as we know, is not good for Amendola Austin Walter, who was One of the heroes of this game Against the Houston Texans Had a touchdown near his hometown He's back on the practice squad now So easy come, easy go Ronnie Blair, who had a sack and six tackles In that game, also back to the practice squad Along with Jabari Zuniga And Josh Johnson As I said before, Joe Flacco will be activated So he'll be the backup instead of Johnson This week. Jets got Daniel Brown back, which Chris, we both know the real news there is not that Brown is going to be on the practice squad because that's not really important. What's important is that we can start making Daniel Brown author jokes again on the pregame report when we do prop bets. So I'm really looking forward to that. The Jets actually ended up getting Laurent Duvernay Tardif for free, if you think about it, because they traded Brown for him. Then Brown gets cut and they get Brown back. And Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who was not great in the game against the Texans, was still better than what we've seen out of Greg Van Roten. So that's still a win. They got themselves a guy who's actually starting for them at an acceptable level, or at least close to acceptable level, for nothing. So there you go. That's what Robert Sala had to say. Daniel Brown is back. What do you think, Chris? back to talk about
0: the da vinci code that's what what we <laughs> in on. i always every time we talk about dan brown and make the joke i always forget what that that book and movie is called and i'm i just think tom hanks tom hanks and i'm always like but what is it and then I, I for some reason i remember the sequels but yeah so back to talk about the da vinci code um yeah there's a lot there obviously Austin Walter thing, Um, you know, he was a a name we talked a lot about in training camp, uh, how impressive he was. But then he had a rough preseason, had those fumbles. And and then, you know, I just was like, oh, well, that's it for him. But he he got another chance, and he he sees that opportunity. We'll see uh, if he's, you know, there – Teams all around the league are doing some rat roster gymnastics with this practice squad and bringing guys right back up. And so we'll see if he comes back. I'm, I'm sure we'll probably see him again before Michael Carter comes back, uh, whether it's this week or next week. But he can scoot. He's got some good speed to him. He can hold, hang on to the ball. I, that's a nice thing to see. And it was obviously a good story for him. Um, yeah, then otherwise, uh, Ronald Blair, that's uh, – that's, somebody that I thought would be contributing a lot more to this defense obviously he had injuries and wasn't playing but going into the season I was like this this is somebody who can contribute uh along w- with that that group there uh so yeah there there's a lot a lot of stuff going on there but the the thing is obviously this is what it's it's all about Wilson you talked about that that touchdown run I I don't I, I don't know how much I mean he got in there but it's also one of those things that, and this goes with him, uh, solid praising his toughness as well. That That's like one of those double edged sword things because, uh, the I, I, whenever I hear about praising of toughness, especially, I'm like, all right, whatever. But then also, they people that get that type of praise t- tend to put themselves in position to get hurt a lot. Um, and all things considered, he probably it was. I remember when he made the play. I was like, that was a gutsy play there to cut inside and up and go in for that against with that. But man, he probably should have just handed that ball off. Uh, <laughs> he's down there. He's got guys coming at him. He probably should have just handed that ball off. Uh, it-, it worked out, but you know that they- that's risky when when you're a little hobbled there as well maybe not the best bet, but you know, that's, uh, I'm fine with the aggressiveness. I'm not too much on the whole, uh, he's got to dial it back so much. So, but yeah, with the injury stuff probably would have been better not to take that, but Hey, he did it. It was Getzy and it scored and it worked. So as, as long as it works,
1: perhaps that's one of Zach Wilson's superpowers. Because Robert Sala said that Wilson has superpowers In fact, one of them, he said Is being able to create something out of nothing When a play breaks down Sala said Clark Kent would walk around sidewalks normal Until someone yelled for help When the play breaks down That's Lafleur yelling for help to save him Interesting analogy there from Robert Sala Sala was asked about the Jets' history against the Eagles And said that the Jets may be 0-11 But that is history It's not relevant to what's going on today, which is true. It's just kind of an interesting thing that the Jets have never beaten the Eagles. Sheldon Rankin said that Jalen Hurts is, quote, almost Lamar-esque. He's able to dead leg guys and outrun guys to the corner. Containing him and the Eagles running game is going to be a challenge. Got to be honest with you, I don't see the comparison. I know that they can both run, but Jalen Hurts is no Lamar Jackson. And we talked about this on the podcast yesterday with Dan Booney Roach. The number one job of the Jets in this game is going to be to try and keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket, keep him from running, and keep that rushing attack from doing damage because that's really the strength of the Eagles team. Yes, Dallas Goddard has been productive. Yes, Devontae Smith has been productive. But first and foremost, if you can keep Hurts in the pocket and keep those running backs from hurting you, there's a good chance that you're going to be able to compete for the victory. Other housekeeping notes, Chuma Adoga activated off injured reserve and he's back at practice. Keelan Cole is on the COVID reserve list. At this moment, nobody knows for sure whether or not he's going to play. Same thing with Corey Davis. I said before that he is day to day. Davis said that he was hurt against Miami, not in practice. Didn't play versus Houston, but feels better than last week. He said he'll see how he feels as he gets close to the game and that'll determine whether or not he plays. So Chris, those are some other notes and quotes from Salah and the gang. Any thoughts?
0: Yeah, not too much. Uh, I mean, I agree with uh, you on the the Jalen Hurts stuff. Although I, I definitely, uh, I think I have less objection to Sheldon Rankin's uh, saying that because again, it's almost Lamar-esque. It's a, it's like, Okay, it's as close as you can get to it. It's, it's, he's, it sure sounds like he's, he knows it's not Lamar. There, <laughs> there's a big difference. It's also, you're comparing, uh, Jalen Hurts, what like, I don't, he only played a handful of games last year. So, uh, rookie year, uh, Lamar Jackson, that scouting report you gave about stopping Jalen Hurts, that's exactly the same scouting report that Lamar, uh, Jackson was getting. So I, I got no problem with that. Um, I, I do agree with you that, you know, people hear Lamar Jackson and they go straight to that. and But he, I can tell by the way Sheldon Rankin said that. That is like, yeah, that's the best way I got to describe it right now. Um, and that's what it is. He's not as nearly as developed of a passer as Lamar is. He wasn't coming out of uh, college either. Uh, that was, uh, Lamar was much more developed passer than uh, people wanted to give him credit for. And Jalen Hurts just was not um Devonta Smith has been really coming along and obviously as you said Dallas Goddard that's really the only other thing they got but otherwise it's about the running game and we know this defense has struggled against the run so and that we're talking about they've struggled stopping the run with teams that aren't I don't have a quarterback that can run so now they they've been struggling to stop the run when it was 11 on 10 uh, now it's going to be 11-on-11. 11 11. So that's that's going to make it a little bit more difficult for them. This is one of those things where the Eagles, the, if, the best game plan, if they execute it, the best way that the Eagles can win this game is to come out and execute and have some success passing early and then get the Jets on their heels and then they can run all over them all day. If they if they can execute that and they can get that to work, that's the game plan that I would try to follow if I was the Eagles. Um, we'll we'll see what happens there, but yeah, that's that's the the thing that's jumping out at me uh, right now about this game is again, Jets struggled ten on eleven, eleven on eleven. Let's say. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
1: There's a story that was circulating again this week that went viral from a couple of years ago when Robert Sala was the defensive coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers. And the story was about when he and Matt LaFleur, who is now the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, were low-level assistants for Central Michigan and Brian Kelly was the head coach. There was a Christmas party at Brian Kelly's house They both thought they were invited as guests. Instead, when they got there, they were asked to park cars and shovel snow. And according to Sala at the time, he and Matt LaFleur decided that if they ever got to the position that Kelly was in, they would never treat assistants that way. And according to everybody that knows both LaFleur and Sala, they have lived up to their word. Clarifying that story now that it has been brought back up, When asked about it by the Jets beat, Salas says that it wasn't an indictment on Kelly. Kelly's a good person, and he considered going to work for Kelly at Notre Dame many years ago. As we know, Matt LaFleur did more than consider going to Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. He did go with him. So Brian Kelly, who is in the news himself now for leaving Notre Dame for a 10-year, $100 million contract, From LSU is back in the spotlight for a negative reason. This is not a guy that a lot of people like. Chris, I know you really don't like Brian Kelly for a variety of reasons. Understandable considering his history in a lot of different ways. I would say that this is not a good reflection on Brian Kelly, this story, but at the same time, this is probably fairly commonplace in coaching, or at least it has been over the years. This is one of those stories where it's like, hey, this is the kind of thing that I had to do. When I was coming up So now you're going to have to pay your dues The way that I did I don't particularly like it I think that if you have a low level assistant Or an intern Your job should be to make them feel welcome And to teach them as much as you can So that eventually they can rise up the ranks And then they can pay it forward That's how I would approach it But we both know the coaching profession is kind of a different animal, or at least it has been through the generations. I think it's starting to shift a little bit away from that with guys like Salah and LaFleur rising up the ranks and not wanting to act that way. So, as I said, not the best reflection on Kelly, but I don't think it's as bad as some people are making it out to be.
0: Uh, Let's start uh, off by making this selfish and all about me. I'm back, baby because I hate Brian Kelly, and I am back rooting for Notre Dame again. Finally. I, I've given up all my fandoms, really. I You know, the, the biggest fandom I've had over the last couple of years has been rooting for my Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, the English Premier League team that I adopted a couple of years ago, which I really did just as a, a vehicle for me to learn about the Premier League. Just I figured it'd be easier to just pick a team and to follow, and then I'd learn the league that way. Um, so it's if it, you know I don't live and die with that and oh, since I hate Brian Kelly so much that I just couldn't bring myself to care about Notre Dame over the last couple of years over the last decade I just couldn't do it um, so I I divested myself from it I'm not I'm not I'm gonna wait I'm not fully back yet because I need to wait to see who they hire I'm hoping they go the Martin Freeman route or they go hire Pickle from uh, Cincinnati go poach the new Cincinnati guy that's fine. But uh, yeah. So thank God he's out of there. But yeah, no. Here's the thing. Number one, again, I'll start with coaching uh, coaches lying to us. I think Salah is doing a little bit of. Uh, he's not trying to bash him publicly. I think Salah, uh, like, I, yeah, Lafleur went to work for him. Opportunity, whatever. But uh. I think Salah's just being nice there. I think he learned that lesson and been like, I'm not doing this. If there's a difference between, okay, you're you know, your grad uh, assistant. You're going to be working your way up the chain here. You're going to be doing a lot of grunt work. Okay, go cut up all this game film. Go do all that type of stuff. That That is understandable. That's part of the job. It's a lot of grunt work and it sucks. I'm having a party at my house and you need to come shovel the snow and play valet and I'm going to trick you by inviting you. That's a whole nother level. You're, you're a millionaire coach. You can hire people to do that. That's just going and embarrassing people that are working for you. There's no, that's, that's beyond the pale. And like, that's just, you're going out of your way to keep them underneath you to be like, no, you're not, mm-mm. there's there's no benefit for the football team as a whole. It's not just, this is work I would like to do, but I just don't have time to cut up the film again. Like th- that's cutting up film, doing uh, the laundry, that type of stuff needs to get done for the football team to be better. You're p- Shoveling your driveway does not help the football team get better. That is just petty, gross, awful, and, like, it's one of those things that's, like, yeah, it's not the biggest deal, especially considering, you know, the ages that they were in there, but the fact that you would do something like that for, like, getting nothing, like, what, what do you even get out of that? You could just pay some uh, high school kid 20 bucks an hour to do that. That's just, you want to embarrass these guys and make them know and remind them that they are so that far underneath you. And that's just gross.
1: Chris, last order of business that I wanted to bring up here. ESPN has ranked the best coaches in terms of fourth down decision making. And I thought it was interesting where Robert Seller ranked. And I want to read you the criteria here. There are three things that they rank it on. One is total win probability sacrifice through fourth down errors. Two, difference in expected fourth down conversion rates versus actual rates. Three, non-obvious fourth down error rate. Number one on the list, which means he's the best in the league according to these metrics, is Cliff Kingsbury. Number two is Matt LaFleur. Number three is John Harbaugh. And number four is is Robert Sala. Interesting. Here's where he shakes out. Win probability sacrificed on fourth down errors. 18.4%. That ranks him sixth in that category. Difference in expected versus actual fourth down conversions. 1.3%. That ranks him 12th. And non-obvious fourth down error rate. 18.8%. He's number one in that category. So very interesting. Granted, limited sample size, but it does show you that Robert Sala seems to very early on have a handle on when to go for it and when not to go for it on fourth down.
0: I'm going to not just because of the small sample size. I want to be a little careful reading too much into it. Also, just because of you know the way that the season has kind of gone it, it very quickly in the season that came to uh you know the uh what do you have to lose it at this point you know point where it's like ah, let's go for two here cuz we really need to try to get a win so there's been a couple of those types of moments um but and then the, you know there's the one last week they went for it on fourth down and they had to use the timeouts to do that and I understand the rationale for using the timeouts because he said uh, Salah said that you know they were going to go and they're going to send Amendola out to kick it, but Lafleur just kept saying, "I have a play, I have a play, it'll work, it'll work, it'll work," and he finally convinced Salah. Um, so I don't, I don't have a problem with Salah being spending the extra timeout to be convinced there. I just, you know, I wish Salah didn't have to be convinced there, considering the situation, considering Amendola how far away. He shouldn't have had to be convinced there. So, but he, but he was. Um, so we'll see. I, I overall, I'll lean to giving a little bit more credit here for it, just because it's something that we're not used to here, and I do like to see that in general. There does seem to be a, a more of a trend of teams going for in places that make sense. Um, so I, I, I just think that's smart uh, all around. But then again, it, when you have They've, they've been in positions where it was like, okay, like we really don't have a choice but to go for it here. Like we, they could not go for it, but the, the only possible chance to win is to try to go for it here. And they've had a couple of those. So it, it'll be to to look at that, like it's easier to look at the, the Cliff Kingsbury thing and, and the, the Matt LaFleur thing and be like, okay, this probably makes sense because they're doing a lot of winning this adds up um so maybe next year if they're in a lot more closer games it doesn't feel like that and he's still doing it then that'll mean a lot more to me
1: chris nimbley the owner the operator the lead reporter the whole shebang over at And above all that A very big deal Thank you so much For coming on And breaking down The midweek news with me We'll talk again Of course For the pregame report On Sunday morning In the meantime Make sure you check out Everything that Chris Is doing over at JetsInsider.com Follow him on Twitter At JetsInsider And at CNimbly Check out everything We're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com And the Play like a jet YouTube channel New video up Breaking down Zach Wilson's performance Against the Houston Texans Courtesy of the Thunder From down under Luke Grant Watch the videos and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already Shop at our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com We've got the Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers, bless you, thank you shirt We've got the Zach Says Go Long shirt We've got the Zach the Ripper shirt The Play Like a Jet logo shirt You can get mugs, you can get shirts, whatever you want, it's all there Hoodies too at TeePublic.com That's T-E-E-Public.com And